Good morning. We hope to have uh, Shear this week, uh, including Lag Bermer, Dafka Lag Bermer. Beginning to learn. So that's uh, 9 o'clock. And a few closing comments on the hairbrushing, Payas, and Nazir Shimshin Sugya. Before we go back to the Sukim. So, Bensi. Uh, sent in two things there Shabbos it's a, it was a burning issue Ere Shabbos it'll be a burning issue next Shabbos and the Shabbos after so first he uh, mentioned that selling in many stores is a Shabbos brush which comes with a Heksher uh, from Rabbi Falk so he no doubt checked it out you have to test each one and I was talking about the very soft ones which the pest can talk about and I said they even make for pets very soft ones, and probably for humans. Uh, this one, I didn't test it. If you have one at home, you can bring one in. It has far apart, pretty far apart, the bristles, they're still like metal, and they're very pliable, so when you apply pressure, they bend a lot, they don't pull things out. So it, There's no because of Mishabura brings from the Achorin, it's soft. There's no because of, of how soft, because you have to test it. It depends on the brush, depends on the person. Tested, obviously, during the week a few times. We're trying to aim for two things. Number one, it shouldn't be a psikrasha. And the second problem, remember, we had that stira and rashi, which everybody tried to be miyashiv. There are a few different things going on. One is that we, it's a chiddish l'chumrah, that we look at the whole maisa of combing and brushing as one maisa, even though there are different strokes. Why should that be one maisa? Normally, you look at psikrasha each maisa that you do. So why should we put them all together? The answer is it's one maisa of brushing. And that was a similar discussion when you're walking on a lawn and the grass is very high and you're walking fast enough and it's high enough, is it a psikrasha you're going to rip things out? If we're looking at each step, we're looking at the whole maisa from beginning to end. That, that is a fascinating shailah, just how to figure out why should it be one step versus five versus you happen to be making the trip in the next five minutes that's for a good Hilcha Shabbos sugya, but we do look at it like that the other part is that this Rashi alludes to two different points two different places is that it's not really necessarily a Dovr She'en because what people are trying to do whether they realize it or not when they're combing or brushing their hair is when there's a snag and they're getting out knots they want to actually pull those stray unruly uncooperative rebellious hairs that we rank out the hair enough uh, to either get out or get with the program. So, uh, <laughs> want them to cooperate. So, if they're not, we actually want them out, which makes it not a Dabr Shannon Miskavin. It's not a Dabr Miskavin as a person sits and thinks about it and they don't know which hair, but as they're brushing whatever snags they want out. And therefore, it doesn't depend on psik ratio, not psik ratio. The danger is it's not a dovish and a miskaven. So if you're using something very soft, or this tested one, which is harder in terms of metal uh, bristles, but very pliable and far apart, so it's not going to be a psik ratio. And once it's not a psik ratio, so we're more comfortable. Remember, if it's a psik ratio, even though it's psik ratio, which by Drabanon, uh, the Shinui, and other coolers, maybe it's not so bad, but 
that's the second part, is that might not be lo'nichalei. And that's the issue over here, whether it's actually miskaven or it's just not, it's nichalei, either way, it's a bigger problem, and we look at the combined action of many different strokes. But there is some of that available. If it has a good hesher, that means they tested it. The same thing with the Shabbos toothbrush. has nothing to do with pulling hair. But I've seen from the very obviously mutter, like it had like five upside down rubber cones. And the, yeah, I'm saying there's nothing. That's not a shayla. That's mutter legamrik. Yeah, it's, mutter, it's just like five cones. It makes you feel good. I like some ishtadlis. You know, it's like, uh, then I've seen, again, I'm out here to, to Taina. It's just a little odd. It looked like a bunch of bristles. And they said, well, bristles are synthetic. They're always synthetic. And toothbrushes have, I'm dealing with boar's hair. We're dealing with plastic bristles. So you say, it's no schita b'chlal. Okay, it's no schita b'chlal, but they're close together. It looks like schita. That's the problem. So it's going to come down to how close together. That's what they say. Can't comment on everything I want. You have to look at it, and uh, I'd have to see it in front of me to make the hashara whether I think that serves the purpose. It's uh, the other one on the market. I don't know if it's sold, but like you say, it's definitely kosher because it's all rubber and they're like little different, looks like cones and just um, pretty far apart, so that certainly is okay. His second question, a little more complex, he says his teenage daughter, uh, if she hears this, um, this is actually a compliment, we the Nashim Sitkanias and the up and coming um, I had uh, one of the eight year olds from this shul, our father sitting here, I was very impressed by that I wasn't, I wasn't trying to make her feel good uh, if we did that also but she had a very deep chakira deeper than she realized she's 8 years old Erev Shabbos after Yimakabal early Shabbos so there's a heter of Amir Yehudi so she wanted to know she didn't cut her nails can she have a Yehudi cut her nails is that under that heter or is that worse no that was her shayla there's a lot to say about that not for now but can you imagine the, the children were raising Achshader that she should even uh, be machavit to, to such a chakira so um, this young lady who's a teenager that already makes it older, more mature and far more complex when it comes to hair teenage girl, hair that, that's, that's a sugya already before you get to any shaylis so she asked her father who wrote it in the email on Erev Shabbos that she was very distraught she didn't have any Shabbos ponies of course the father didn't understand what horses had to do with Shabbos and he was totally lost uh, not having been a teenage girl himself, which he admits. And it got down to the fact that she didn't have a scrunchie or didn't have one at all, didn't have one that works. So I know what scrunchies are because I had a bunch of teenage girls and um, scrunchies, um, after sliced bread probably, they would hold the best invention since the wheel. And... The interesting thing is, she claims that she never had, maybe never as a guzma, she never had a scrunchie that she took off. Why did you take it off that didn't have hair on it? That's a pretty sinister allegation. Because we're talking about combs and nazir and payas. It's the same. I'll make a chilik in a minute. It sounds like the same problem. If it's a psikresha, that every time you put it on and take it off, it has some hair on it wouldn't that tell you it's pulling out hair? Right. So that's, that's the answer. answer. First of all, I'm not sure what she meant by never or always. It's true, but they make it so tight that yeah. 
So to put them on, take them off on Shabbos, so it's, so number one is, you don't have the second Rashi, the second part of the sugya is Nichalei, that's not pulling out, you're certainly not doing a Misa to pull out unruly, rebellious hairs that you want out, so it's not Nichalei. I'm not convinced it's a psigratia, but she probably knows better. She says that every time there's new hair, like she cleans them, puts them on, there's new hair. I'm, I'm just putting this out, I got this right before Shabbos, you can ask the Nashim Sidkanius uh, what the stats are. And um, so he was asking, why is this mutter bechlal? And he did the dangerous thing and asked her, why does she just not use them? And she said, that's not sneistic because the hair is going to be down. So after that, he stopped and he just wrote the email. So uh, if you have any daughters at home, you can discuss that uh, over the weekend. I think it might come out while you're weird. Right. It's not that it's coming out when I'm cool at all. If you, well, just moving around, why would it come out dafka? If you put something in and you know it's going to take off hairs on Shabbos, would that be mutti? So if it's not a secretion... You don't even know when it's happening. Okay, so you're saying there's no mice. Like, I'm not convinced of a secretion. And here you have no combination of the mice of the strokes of six strokes to comb hair. And that's a mitla here. Because there's no mice. You're going to sleep, you move around. So yeah, if that's doing it, then it's tilt of a goof and it's uh, certainly mutter. If that's what's happening, I don't know what he's describing because I'm not that familiar with scrunchies. It, I'm happy I knew what the word was. Right. Right. So Shad is how over how much time? And so I'm just putting that out there because I just printed it out right before Shabbos. You can take the polls and get back to me and even bring some uh, for uh, show and tell and we'll uh, I think it's Mutia. Yeah, I don't think I, I, I'm not sure it's a psychratia. She's saying there's always hair on it. The question is, when did that come? How long does that take? And you're moving around. Is it happening in your sleep? It's not daima to coming of the hair, uh, where we're putting together a bunch of mices to make one thing that it's a psychratia or it's nichalai, and it's certainly not nichalai because it's not getting out those hairs. So I think that was an interesting uh, contrast. And uh, well, he didn't send me a picture of any industrial product called Shabbos ponies. So. Is there? Is there? I thought she just meant they were miyuchid for Shabbos. It doesn't it depend on how tight you want to make it. Are there different sizes? Does they have a package called Shabbos crunchy next to the Shabbos brush and the Shabbos toothbrush? I think so. There's a type that they use that doesn't pull the hair. It also for they do it just because it doesn't hurt. You pull it out. Okay, we're all for that. So maybe bring in two tomorrow. One Tuesday one and one Shabbos one. We'll examine. Okay. Uh, this is very common. I'm just not familiar. Uh, even, even when the, those girls were home, I didn't see, I didn't notice what was going on. I barely, I barely remember the word. So, uh, but it's a pretty common. Uh, you start selling all this stuff on the Shabbos, on the Shul website. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, with a commentary on the different shitas and things like that. So, uh, but this is quite common. I mean, this is, uh, the chilik needs to be made. And I think the chilik is obvious that it would be more, more kal. Okay. So it's inspiring to see that at least the uh, katana and katanas are focused on this, and the adults are trying to figure it out. Let's go to Perak Tezayin. Yeah. Show this here. Brush doesn't pull out any hair, especially like a bristle brush. Uh, uh, a man? Yeah, from a bristle brush. I'm sure here. We hope there's easy easy way to figure it out. Look at the brush after a while. Those hairs don't come in just by osmosis. So that's the shyness. You're 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 suggesting that if it's somebody very shorthand, they have their own brush. Nobody's using it. You'd be able to see that. Okay. So it's not a psikresha. It doesn't start. 
L'chayra. I mean, yeah, you can't say it doesn't start because it's not a psik ratio, but it's still nichalei. Uh, but maybe if it's very short, then uh, that's a sign that it's not Nikolai, there's nothing much to manage, and therefore he's not trying to, uh, he doesn't have an issue with the rebellious hair and straightening it out. That's a whole different, uh, whole different sugi then, then Taka would be okay. But you have to first check the evidence and see whether it's repeating itself every single time. It's a complex sugi in the lumbus of it, the shorting, that's why I'm just mentioning the Marmachemist system, we're not going to go into more now because it's not uh, the Shalchashah's be'in, but putting the mices together and figuring out what's obsecration, what's not, what's nichalei, what's not, is, is not so partial as you see from here. And there are sheetas that hold, very few, that there's something called curved obsecration. Many, many Achorinim flatly deny that. They say that it's an oxymoron. It's otherwise known as a stira. Uh, <laughs> So can't, you can't, psychration means it's always going to happen. 99% is not a psychration. But even that's bandied around. The shayla is you have to take that into consideration and the various malachas. Back to the unfolding uh, tragic news in uh, Perikta which we have to see even though we know what's coming. And that's what triggered all this. Perikta Zion, Pasuk Tezayin. This was a process, and she was uh, driving him a sugar. And a lesson in Shalom Bayes, it certainly is. Shalom Bayes is Gavaldic. The only issue is that the imperative and chiv and uh, practical chiv of Shalom Bayes presupposes that the person you're trying to have Shalom Bayes with is the person that's supposed to be there. Did I say that politically correct enough? That, right, you want to hold it together and make it happen and make it continue to happen if it's supposed to be there in the first place. The Tainan Shimshin, which he doesn't know yet, and we know from 2020 hindsight, is that the whole problem for his Madrega is that this marriage shouldn't have happened and the Maisen Aza shouldn't have happened. And the first one, we had a Pasuk that said, Beferish, that Akash Baruch Hu, Kaviyocha weighed in and said that his parents didn't know this is part of the plan. So you can't say that shouldn't have happened, but it was already a trigger for a process that, for his Madrega again, it was so delicate and so slight that he didn't notice it. That means we're only saying this with the advantage of the 2020 hindsight and the insights of Chazal. But it's there, enough to cause uh, the downfall over here of the God of Yisrael in terms of him able to do his job and survive, even though when he dies, he's going to do a better job in numbers and damage to the pollution that he did his entire lifetime, but that was due to his godless that he has chusim still. But he'd rather be alive and there's no technical iser of this marriage. I can't overemphasize that. If she, we don't know who she was. If she was originally a Jewish, then there's no gayness needed. Uh, but apparently, she had allegiances in the wrong place. Probably due to the fact that she was living either with the plishtim in their area or too close. We don't know how she would get so lost, but she got lost. Obviously, this was a horrible, horrible decision, and she betrayed the person who was giving her everything. And at the end of the day, whatever her excuse in her head was, it was for money. A lot of money, 1,100 silver coins, which is going to sound eerily familiar in the next parak when we get to the other disaster of Pesel Micha, and you'll never guess how much silver was available to melt down to make a Pesel. You'll never guess in a million years, pick a number between one and a million, and you'd be right, 
so it's 1,100 shekel. So what we're going to do with that number, we'll see, but it's a lot of money, apparently. The five Sarnei Plishtim. The Sarnei Plishtim picture the United Plishtim of America, and there are five states. So that means these are the five governors of the state. Pretty powerful. They're city-states, like five kings. So they take the collective money of all of the Plishtim. It's the whole country. And they themselves, it's pretty humiliating, they themselves come climb up the mountain to beg her to accept this bribe to find out what's making him tick and we got to get rid of him. So her deal was don't kill him, promise don't kill him, which they didn't kill him, but that's not a, that's not a mile or a schuss over here. And uh, in her very distorted worldview, she figures she's doing him a favor, but how long can he keep up this whole mochama? So she was not very from, that's an understatement, and certainly didn't understand him or what he was trying to do and didn't fully appreciate, didn't appreciate at all. And this was a nace, and Hashem has a dover, and he will continue fighting till he's 190 because it's all a nace anyway. But she missed all that, and the reason she's guaranteed to miss it is because she was blinded by the money. So they climbed up themselves. They didn't send a shliach. That was that important. And they figured, and from, a, from an economic standpoint of running a country and a government, it's far as expensive as it is. It's far easier to get this money together and bribe her and get rid of the enemy than have a protracted war and the damage this is doing to the infrastructure of the country. Like he, every time they have a skirmish with him, he takes the walls and he walks away with them, if you remember. That's like damaging for infrastructure. It just costs a lot of money. And he's killing people. So this was relatively cheap for them, but picture the pooled resources of five city-states of course they're willing to pay. It's a lot of money. I'm not trying to be Malamitz on her, but she was blinded by a lot of money. And therefore she made decisions. We're looking at this uh, ready to cry. Like, how can she do this? But if you'd ask her, she would say, no, this is actually good for Shimshim, good for me. This is dangerous. We can't keep this up. That's, uh, I can't even say that's her opinion. That's so distorted on every level. She either missed the boat completely in the beginning, and she just was a Benedict Arnold. Um, they say he ran away one of these houses here, right here in Rockland County. I'm just saying, I pick him. Because I'm, I'm not sure that's true. They somehow managed to say everybody was in Rockland County, George Washington, Benedict Arnold, I don't know. We, uh, but it doesn't make a difference. We're here, and we're learning. So it doesn't make a difference who was here before. But if you'd ask Benedict, I'm sure he would give you all sorts of reasons why he did what he did. And it was easier to explain. I'm not coming to defend him. But if we were here in the colonies, it's not clear who would be a, what they call them, the loyalists versus the, uh, what were the two sides? Um, they, were, they were called, the people that supported the British were not few in number. Yaakov, you remember what they were called? They were not few in number. What? Yeah, that's a big number. That's not like a pocket of people. There are a lot of people who said the, the British crown is just fine. So the tea is a little more expensive, big deal. And why don't we keep things stable and not get killed? So that's just for the Musa Shaboy. We're so, uh, I, I'm very happy with the way things turned out. Don't get me wrong. But had you been there, that wouldn't have been so pushed. So Mr. Arnold uh, would just say, no, the reason I'm spying is nothing to do with the money. It's because I hold the British are right. Well, this war is ridiculous. And what are you getting so worked up about some tea? Have some coffee. Like, why? What's the problem? So, he'd probably say that if we were interviewing him. And maybe, yeah, maybe not, but they probably paid him also, like any good 
spy. No, so, <laughs> so the money is going to take away any rational thinking if there ever was in the first place. That's a lot easier to explain. Unfortunately, I'm not making Benedict look better. I'm just trying to show you how bad Dalila was. That this is his wife. You can hold he's your husband's wrong. This she's not wrong. This that you can't do what she is about to do. This is the worst treason imaginable, on a, on a personal level. This is uh, nothing gets gets worse than this. But that just goes to show you how Shaykhid can do tremendous damage, and she's not giving up. She's uh, apparently a smart enough, smart Lara that she just keeps it up and sh- until she drives him crazy and he finally gives in against his better notion, even though when he tells her, he's very convinced that she certainly just was curious and she held it was a big area to make his spouse curious and she's not going to do anything with this. He was convinced of that. And she's going to do something extremely quickly. As soon as she has the news, she calls the police back even before she gives him a haircut. Like, come now. It takes a couple of days to walk here. Like, she sent a message very quickly. And he was trusting because we should be trusting, except when it comes to the secret, which he wasn't mandated with any Isra Dereis, Isra Durabonim. I'm going to point this out also. There's no Averis being done over here. We don't have an Isra from the beginning of this parish until now that he was given a secret on Manas not telling anybody. He just intuitively knew it's not a good idea. We're about to find out that that's 100% correct, but that's not an Isra. So faced with an ongoing shalom bias issue, and there's no issue to say it in the first place, and if you can't trust her, who can you trust? So it's understandable why he gave in. That is a lethal, a fatal decision, and, but he didn't have an issue. Just in terms of the Averish, about what Averish triggered this, you can't point to one particular Averish. On his madrega, the mahaluch was not something he should be in in the first place. That's what's crucial to keep in mind here. So if I would violate the Naziris, even though the cutting of the hair doesn't necessarily reset the Naziris per se, you still need Galdopera for another 30 days, according to the Rambam, but he somehow knew that it would compromise his strength and he told her so assuming again that she's not going to be satisfied that she's in with the secret but of course she's not going to tell the enemy if the enemy is her former people and she was a Geiris that shows you the Geiris was faulty Geiris isn't only a Misa of Kabbalah's mitzvahs which has to be complete and a mice of uh, Midla and Tvila or Tvila by a lady, it's really a very, very important emotional and psychological uh, shift. You'd shift. You can't continue identifying with the people you come from. You don't have to hate them. As a matter of fact, we encourage not too much connection with the family because that can rub off and that's dangerous. But, and I deal with the Shiloh, Often, it's a very delicate balance between, hello, how are you, being there for parents who are no longer related to them. If sick, needs something, you've got to make Kiddush Hashem, Hashem, but you've got to not get too close or remain too close because uh, their whole way of life is diametrically opposed to the new way of life, and which is not going to be compatible. 
you know, Thanksgiving, the jury's still out on, and uh, that's not going to satisfy them. And what do you mean you can't come in December? We didn't ask you to bow down to anything. Like, everything's going to be a fight. And you're dealing, uh, Shuva has that with his former family, but they're Yidden, and on some level, most of the time, they sort of understand it, even though they don't want to admit they understand it. Here, there's like Gamri. And see, by making that decision, you're changing your whole mindset. You're supposed to be. Apparently over here, she did mitzvahs, yeah, Shimshon wouldn't stay if he didn't see Adlaka's neighbors and Farshas uh, Chala and all the other good things, and around like a regular normal from Jewish home, otherwise he wouldn't be here. But in her mind, apparently, this was even an option, means she never left. And that's a problem, and the time is he should have recognized that. So that means there's... Whatever reason she did in the first place, temporary inspiration, which for a gear doesn't help too much if it's not going to stick in the long term. And if it wasn't even that inspirational in the first place, why she do it? Who knows? Uh, she probably, if she did it, I'm going to ask to marry Shimshin. Shimshin was a Gieber and as a, at least the beginning, a mark of pride until she realized he's really Lishma and there's all Ruchnias and he learns a lot and he always goes to davening on time and uh, he's a Dayan and uh, this is not fun anymore. That could have happened. I, you know, she could have, uh, if she's not in it for the Ruchnias, it's not going to be fun for her. If she's in it for the Ruchnias, it's going to be main Olam Haba Ba'Olam Hazeh. But you got to want to have that. And even though she didn't violate any of the mitzvahs in front of him, Lamaisa, the Chazal, that she was Mazan on the side, which is not surprising. Lamaisa, there's a problem with the fact she never left her people on the side she was a Gerist. And there's a whole other Malach and the Mepharshim that she was originally Jewish, and why is she living there? So, okay, she was a little off, and there was a problem, and she was too close to them. She was too close to them, no matter how you cut this, whether she was originally from them or not. And therein lies the problem, and Shimshin should have recognized this. So, when something goes wrong in a matzav like this, there's always a lot of blame to go around, but a person who's holding should realize that nine-tenths of the battle in Ruchnius, in every situation, is chacham and aberration, not get, getting yourself into the mess in the first place. And if you get yourself into the mess, then it's not going to be a surprise, it's not going to end well, but the kasha is, what are you doing here? And that's nothing to do with marriage per se, that's in any area where there's a Sakana Ruchni, the battle's fought usually five steps before. And that's one of the key takeaways of the Musr on our Madrega. Again, this is all on his Madrega, but the point is still there. And at this uh, juncture in time, it's going to be too late by the time he realizes it. The reason she says Alu Apam is because if you remember, she called them a few times already and it's a big schlep up this mountain. And they lost faith after a while. And they sort of left a message, you know what, call us when it's the real deal. And uh, this is a long hike, and when I'm interested in coming. So this time, she says, Alu Apam, I know that this is really the MS. Ki Higid, Lias Kalibav, Allah, Sani, Plishna, the Allah, Kesav Yadam. And they came quickly, and they came with the money. Rashi says, Tera Dalil, Ki Higid, La, Nikarm, Divri, Emes. And the Chazal say that she knew he was a tzaddik. She was smart enough to know what a tzaddik was. And that he would never be Metzishem, Shamayim, Levatala. And the Lushan over here. Is Merulal Arashi Kinazir Elokim Ani Mibeten Elokim is Shem Hashem, and he wouldn't say that if this sentence wasn't true.
Everything else until now was almost true, but he was careful not to say the full truth. He was getting closer and closer by attaching his head to the loom. But this time he said it and he used Shem Hashem. So she knew it was the MS, and that's why she called them. Pasigetes. Tiashneo Alberkaus, again to show the misplaced trust, but the amount of trust that he had, even after he said it, he was so convinced that she was just curious and very upset that you can't share this with your own wife, and what's the problem? So after he shared it, he was almost relieved, emotionally exhausted, but almost relieved that, okay, that was a long-running five-month machlekes. I'm glad we're finished with that. And he was sleeping now, and she's going to take the opportunity. She probably gave him some strong wine. The way Pusk describes it, she almost put him to sleep. She's still too scared to try to give him a haircut while he's awake, and obviously, for very normal reasons, he's not going to agree. He said the secret. He didn't say he's willing to give up his ears. Of course he isn't. That's why it describes it this way. And she had a man waiting to do this. And he already felt, I'm afraid say, losing strength while he was sleeping. And she tested him, as she did the other times, by saying, the plishtim are here, and they're on the attack. And all the other times he was able, with relative ease at the beginning, it got more difficult. Uh, here, he doesn't realize as he woke up, and he was half up, half asleep, that he's not going to have Siat Hashemai over here. He realized he lost strength, but he understood that he still had a very close relationship with the Kosh Baruch which he did. You'll see his Sitkus in his downfall as much, if not more. So he wanted to tap on the Midas HaRachimim and Davin and go take care of the Plishtim. Obviously, it's not going to work this time. That extra lotion, he understood he felt weaker. He felt that right away. He felt that even in his sleep. What he didn't know is that uh, this as an Einish for, I don't want to call it the Avera, but the mistakes he made on his Madrega now are going to the Elachach Einov. He's going to realize as he's captured and when they blind him and he's going to realize the Midah Kenegah Midah he realized it very clearly you'll see from his final tefillah later on uh, what he didn't know is that tshuva always works and that remains a constant everybody should keep that in mind there is no point of no return for tshuva there could be a point where he loses this particular gift and he thought perhaps nothing wrong with trying he could still dive in and have that siyat and at this point, in this particular Misa, that wasn't true anymore. Uh, Godless will be shown in the end of the story throughout the Peric, as Peric, in terms of how he handles being captured and the fact that I think this is just as important in the whole Misa, probably more important, is that he doesn't have years, doesn't get depressed, and doesn't give up. That's as important a takeaway as trying to be careful not getting yourself in the matzah in the first place and chacham and barosha. So that's going to be important. Excuse me for being an optimist, but that's not optimism. That's just what's going on. You're going to see Shimshin, if anything, in a, in a greater matzah in terms of Ruchni is how he deals with extreme adversity and tragedy. And that's why he goes down history, rightfully so, of course, as uh, Shimshin, who was a Dayan, who was a Tzaddik, who was a Les Shefet. And... Had a mistake, paid for it by Ulamazeh, 
and understood on the highest madriga and the deepest, we'd call the deepest Kabbalah, understood every aspect of the Midi King Amida, understood his eyes, understood, and he's going to, in his final tefillah, ask for the schar of one of his eyes, not both of them. He understood the full value of the Elam Haba, just the Shema, to help Klai Yisrael one more time, and he will help Klai Yisrael more now than he ever did, because the Pasuk is going to say, after that disaster on their part, success on our part, they were afraid to even, like, he was no longer alive. They were afraid, it's almost irrational, they were afraid that who knows what's going to be next after the damage he's about to do, and for decades it worked. So his biggest triumph is when he gets killed. But that was because of his truva process and his handling of what's going on, and that's the most valuable part of this whole parak. That's why this is written at such great length. Yeah? This is considered secretion? Oh, right, right that's why I said it's back. not in terms of Avera quote unquote he didn't do a Misa right he didn't do a Misa he was exhausted fell asleep she gave him wine whatever and they, we'd say it's an honest forget it's, like, right? it's an honest that's exactly why I'm emphasizing the problem over here is only an issue on his Madrega but we're dealing with Shemshin 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 the problem is the Anish is coming for a few mistakes of Halacha Enov, which his Enov his name was so pure that he trusted them. The problem is he trusted them a little bit too much. And she was not the right shidduch. She brought him down. The Azza situation wasn't right. The shidduch, whatever he was doing there. And the first one was, but it was already a dangerous path. And the more dangerous it is, the more careful you have to be. So this is all a uh, 0.001% shortfall on what he could have accomplished. But when you're dealing with G'day Elam that's going to make a difference, even though he goes on to accomplish a lot for Klai Yisrael, and already accomplished a lot, both in his Shafik capacity and in his Giber capacity and his warrior capacity and every... It was a success. I remind you, this is part of our Hakdama three months ago, the entire brocha of Shevet done is only about Shimshin. There's no other Shevet like that. Only about Shimshin. You have a Shevet uh, accomplished over a thousand years, so much as you have to... It only talks about Shimshin. So... We're talking about godless that it's hard to imagine, and therefore, the bigger it is, like the other Sekadeshim, any short, we're still trying to figure out Bameida, right? It cost a couple hundred years in Mitzrayim. That wasn't the only reason we were there, and there were many other reasons. Klai saw how to develop like that, but we're talking about Abba So the whole focus of the Pusik is just Shimshin, so it's not surprising. So, yes, this fits very well. He didn't do anything wrong, it was a complete honest, he was passive, but he shouldn't have been in the Matzav. And person makes the wrong decision in the beginning, and he's in the matzah of what happens afterwards. Certainly, on this madrega is going to be accruing to his account in a negative way. And again, he still davens, never hurts to try. And sometimes the answer is no. Here, the answer was no. Here, the answer is the Anish is part of the kapara, and he'll learn that, accept it, and. That's what will help him accomplish more. Hula Yada ki Hashem Sarme Olav. Pasuk Chaf Aleph. I don't want to end in a bad spot, and that's hard to find a spot where I can end. So I'm going to read the next two Pesukim that I want to get to a little of the Musar. Pasuk Chaf Aleph. They grabbed him, they captured him, Vinakruas Einov. That was the Midah Kenegamida. They were evil people. They tortured him more than this, but Pasek points this part out because that was the Midah Sa'azasa, Rashi says, from the Gemara and Saita, everybody commented, those of you in Dafyemi, that this is one blot, 
And it was a very different blot now that you're learning that blot for four months, which you in essence are, and every blot needs four months of learning, but not a tiny dafyami, but it's a different blot to just, I told everybody, don't scream at the uh, Magid Shir that he's going too fast <laughs> because he can't spend four months on the blot, but it gives you an appreciation so Rashi brings it down, even though we explained at that time, about a month and a half ago, why that wasn't also technically, it just wasn't the right thing to do for Shimshim. And that taught Shimshim the Midikamid of what was happening, what type of torture, where he was and where he was shackled, picture like Yosef at Sadik in jail. The jails then were called a bar. That's a very fitting name, Kishmoi Kahu. Nothing was above ground, no room to maneuver. It was underground, and it was a bar, and they just had them grinding. That had to give them something to do, typical jail, where you'd actually produce something, make the master some money, and he'll have something to eat from his own grain that he's, and a little hand mill, and you don't go anywhere, that way don't bring him out. There wasn't exercise programs a few hours a day, and uh, tennis courts, I'm not saying they're tennis courts and all that, but whatever, it, this is a bar, and they mistreated them, and that was the point, and they, it's a miserable existence, minute, minute to minute. Uh, uh, the only positive pasuk, sort of, we're going to have over here, is that he's still Shimshin and he's going to have the beginnings of an ace here, pasuk of Beis. Part of the ace was that the Plishtim didn't catch this. For smart people, I'm not saying how smart they were or how not smart they were, but you're only going to see in life what Hashem wants you to see. And if Hashem doesn't want you to see it, you can be the most brilliant analyst on Wall Street. You're not going to catch the next downturn or upturn because Hashem doesn't want you to see it and it has nothing to do with IQ. So, So, if you didn't learn Navi Be'in before, which all of you have been doing for years, you wouldn't catch, you would say, okay, just describing that picture of the prisoner of Shimshon and Nebuch, and he was shaven, and now his hair is starting to go back and looks even worse maybe, and it's part of the imagery, it's not just part of the imagery. It's the fact, even though the kayach that he has, the supernatural kayach, is a nace. Hashem doesn't have to make it dependent on hair or lack thereof. But Lamaisa, it represented the madrega, the mistake, the punishment, and now the kapara, his hair started growing. So, in our wonderful 2020 hindsight, if we were on the Plishti side, Baruch Hashem or not, we would tell the jail warden, by the way, just one thing, all the other prisoners, there's a to get a haircut maybe once a month, if they behave, this one, give him one every morning. <laughs> but they missed that because Hashem wanted them to miss it. And his hair starts growing, and he has a havamina, and it's going to become a maskana. Shimshin himself, nobody else caught this, that it's growing now. You know, maybe I'll get back enough strength to do some serious damage here. That'll be part of the kapara. He's already planning Thomas Nafshi and Plishtim, which when we get there, we're going to have to explain. But there's no taina on his psak, even though it's a chidish nifla, you can't commit suicide. Even saving others, unless you can, if it's a mochama. When we get there, remind me, we'll discuss that. But right now, so this is a nice piece of good news to stop at. Take your single sheet. And we just uh, started, because we keep running over time and forgetting to get to the few minutes of Musr, which we desperately need, even though the whole... Shared today was Musa. 
So, in preparation for Kabbalah Zatera, this shtickle in Archas Yesher from Rab Chaim Zatzal. He's discussing Bittel Teira and Limita Teira. We saw the first paragraph yesterday. Go to the second paragraph in the bracket. Part of Limita Teira and Asmada and Bittel Teira is trying to figure out how much schmoozing do you need to stay sane and to just relax a little bit. And a little bit is fine. Everybody according to the Madrega versus how much schmoozing is a Bittel Teira when you could be learning. And the best medrash, out of the best medrash, somebody told me, he said, schmoozing out of the best medrash? I didn't even know that was like chal. I thought the problem was schmoozing in the best medrash. I didn't know. Schmoozing in the best medrash is really bad. You're already in front of a gemara with the charusa, so learn. Schmoozing out of the best medrash will make you late or not as early as you could be. And if you want to go out and schmooze, you're going to end early. So schmoozing a little bit is healthy if you stay away from Lashon Hara, Zilzul of other people and uh, General Isser Motsi Shem Avak Lashon Hara and Sheker and Hanifa and there's a longer list but you got the point so if you learn all those halachas and you figure that out so now we're down to the weather it's not that hard <laughs> so uh, the weather people like talking Lashon about the weatherman I'm, I'm one guy who uh, involved in the Shermi he's a little here this he calls him the Navi Sheker well, okay, <laughs> I don't know if it's that bad. They're just trying to earn a living and do their job. Uh, and they're, they're not that bad in their accuracy. And you find something parve or positive to discuss. Rosen could be just showing concern for people and checking up on people. They're doing okay. And that doesn't have to lead to Lashon Hara. And it's an avoid of life. There's a tremendous Yetzirah to schmooze and an even bigger Yetzirah to schmooze about Hak and other people in Lashon Hara. So you've got to be careful about Yisurim, but even if it's just Parv, you've got to figure out, like any other activity, how much schmoozing, how much basketball, how much golf, how much skiing, whatever else you're doing. If there's room for it, fine. The question is, how much? What venue, how much, who you're doing it with? And that's the next line, Hechemiru Bavan Dvaram Betelem. Dvaram Betelem means, besides the serum that can be involved, it's just a waste of time. And in case you haven't noticed, as you grow older, and I mean older like when you're bar mitzvah in a month, we have very mature young men and women, as I began to share with, you start realizing that uh, time is precious and it's a busy day, and rightfully so, and between yeshiva and chazara and night seder, and uh, you have to figure out a schedule. Time management is very, very important. Um, somebody here in the Shia told me this needs further expansion but we have to discuss what I can be Magala but somebody who wrote the book an Akum smart guy well we'll see how smart but somebody wrote the book on time management you know they have all these self-help books on how to rise to the top of the corporate ladder if you really want to go there that's a debatable point already um Many people are wondering, why wouldn't you want to go there? I'll talk to you afterwards. And um, other such uh, secrets of success or putting yourself in Nisanis or not putting yourself in Nisanis. Everybody agrees, whether in the corporate world, the Lahavdol, in your Avedis Hashem, you need to learn time management. That's the Achilles heel of most people. And today it's worse than ever because you can waste 10 minutes, an hour, 10 hours and not even realize it just by holding certain devices or looking at certain devices. You don't know where the time goes. All I did, I just wanted to order a new clock from Amazon. What happened? How did ordering a new clock become a nine-hour excursion? Like, what's going on over here? That ever, do you know anybody that ever happened to? Like, what's going on? How did I, I miss sheer first day to second day. Like, what's going on? 
So that's a problem. It's a big problem. So time management is crucial. And the fact that this guy, the very short version, because we're out of time, speaking of time management, uh, Davin, is this guy wrote the book on it and sold millions of copies. Like they got wealthy on it. And I can't begin to tell you what he does with his 18-hour day now. It's not very good in management, not very good in use in time. And um, for the guy who wrote the book, like you got to scratch your head, like what's going on here? But I don't know what I can be. Magala, it's not somebody sitting here. You'll tell me afterwards. Have a good day. Use your time well. And uh, play at least five minutes of golf. Aslach Rabba. Kol Tov.